Hey there, I'm Amy Walter, co-host of The Takeaway. In the Politics Brief podcast, you'll hear the best segments from all the different WNYC shows covering the 2018 elections. It's the sharpest, most timely talk, analysis, and original reporting from shows like On the Media, The Brian Lehrer Show, and of course, The Takeaway. Also, from the WNYC newsroom, which is tracking key races in New York and New Jersey. The stakes are high, and we want you to have the information you need. It's what we do. Welcome to Politics Brief from WNYC. Brian Lehrer on WNYC. President Trump has been speaking to the United Nations General Assembly during the show this morning, that big once-a-year speech to the world that each president gives uh, when the heads of state and other representatives of almost every country in the world converge on New York, as you know they're doing if you're a driver, uh, at this time of year every year. We're going to play a couple of clips and do some analysis now of the speech that Trump was given, giving. It was a very America first speech. Um, it's opposite from the traditional role of the United States, which is not to emphasize national sovereignty, but rather to emphasize international standards of behavior. Uh, Trump took exactly the opposite approach, and we're going to play a salient one minute of that. Here is Trump on America First and American sovereignty in the context of the UN. We believe that when nations respect the rights of their neighbors and defend the interests of their people, they can better work together to secure the blessings of safety, prosperity, and peace. Each of us here today is the emissary of a distinct culture, a rich history, and a people bound together by ties of memory, tradition, and the values that make our homelands like nowhere else on Earth. That is why America will always choose independence and cooperation over global governance, control, and domination. I honor the right of every nation in this room to pursue its own customs, beliefs, and traditions. The United States will not tell you how to live or work or worship. We only ask that you honor our sovereignty in return. That is actually an extraordinary thing for the American president to say to the rest of the world, that all we ask is that you honor our sovereignty uh, in return for not telling you how to live or work or worship. It has implications for human rights around the world, democracy around the world, uh, all kinds of things. And joining me now with some thoughts, and we'll play a few more clips as we go, is Heather Hurlbert, columnist at New York, New York Magazine's Daily Intelligence, uh, Daily Intelligencer, and initiative director at the New America Foundation. Uh, she has a long um, resume in foreign policy. And uh, Heather Herbert, welcome back to WNYC. Brian, boy, you don't have me on on boring days, do you? Um, I, don't, I don't remember the last boring day anymore. 
And I'm just going to jump right in uh, where you we teed us up and point out that one of the things that was most astonishing about that claim was how mendacious it is, and in that later in the speech, Trump basically said, we will only do certain things with you if you're our friend, if we like you, if you're our partner. Um, you know, just this week, Nikki Haley's been threatening countries to vote to vote our way at the U.N. So this, you know, it, it both manages to be, as you said, a complete reversal of U.S. policy throughout all the years since the establishment of the U.N., which was that the U.S., by surrendering a very little bit of its sovereignty, could get back an enormous amount of economic and security advantage and a huge amount of say over other countries' sovereignty. And so the thing about the thing about sort of the Trump model is that he wants to be rid of even the small restraints on U.S. sovereignty but not have to give up the ability of a great power to uh, have its way with the sovereignty of others. It is quite a contradiction. And I, I guess, you know, the part that has to do with giving up any very limited control of our, over our own sovereignty, uh, and again, I'll read from the text of the clip we just played, um, America will choose independence and cooperation over global governance, control, and domination, as if the rest of the world is governing, controlling, and dominating the United States. Most of the world actually has the internal debate about whether the United States is governing, controlling, and dominating them. But this this has been one of the hearts of the Trump campaign from, from day one when he started running for the pres- presidency, that the world is getting over on us, Right. Yeah, for listeners who were uh, paying attention to your show rather than listening to to the whole speech, it was really a, a recitation of a number of grievances that um, a small, you know, not even all of right-of-center Americans, but a particular swath of the American electorate has about this idea that somehow American independence is, is threatened. You know, there are, there are many things I worry about for the future of our country, but our, our independence isn't isn't really one of them. But that's an enormous talking point in that part of the Republican Party, which has wanted for years to push back on the idea that the U.S. got more done in partnership with others. And, you know, the, this president really, the the speech was like a mashup of a stump speech with the bragging about U.S. domestic achievements and this kind of listing of grievances um, that, as I say, have been part of a, of a certain political worldview in the U.S. For, for a long time that usually you don't hear much about in Washington, let alone around the world. Right. And when you were um, a uh, policy person in the State Department and the White House under President Clinton, um, I mean, those were the first times that I'm aware of that there was this conspiracy theory that at the time, and people who were old enough to remember the 90s will remember the term UN black helicopters, right? So <laughs> Coming th- to steal your lawn furniture was the... <laughs> Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, f- I forgot the lawn furniture part. Um, but this idea on a certain part of the nationalist right, but pretty fringy, that there were U.N. black helicopters as part of a U.N. conspiracy to take away American sovereignty. And, and that came to fruition now under the current president of the United States as, as official U.S. policy. Was that the beginning of it? And do you think there were things that the U.S. or the U.N. were doing that 
that touched it off at all? No, no. It dates back to um, the John Birch Society, and um, th- this has been around um, since the since the immediate post World War II period. And of course, it has its even further roots in a strand of, of American isolationism um, and the America First movement from the 1930s. So, no, this is um, it has a it has a long place in in American life and in American thought. And I think the reason, well, a couple of reasons that you see. It, it surge again in the in the 90s. One is, you know, with the loss of with the loss of world communism as the enemy that justified anything that Washington might be doing, or that Washington, you know, if 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 you were a person who wasn't really comfortable with the U.S. being actively engaged overseas, but you were told, well, it's all to keep the communists down, that was maybe acceptable. And then once that went away, the thought was sort of, well, why would we be doing any of this anymore? So that's kind of the and then. You know that it became more visible and more possible for the UN to be active in more places around the world. At the same time, the cultural anxiety inside the U.S., which the president is also playing to very heavily here with his reference to um, each nation having a distinct culture. Notice he doesn't think the U.S. has multiple distinct cultures. He thinks we have one. Mm. Um, and and frankly, with the rise of um, cultural anxiety, which is a polite word for racism, um, anxiety about the growing role of women, anxiety about um, the um, diversification of acceptable sexualities, um, all of that gets turned into threats that are coming from outside that somehow mm-hmm. globalizers um, are trying to foist onto onto real Americans. So so yeah. all of that kind of bubbles along, you know, underneath the, the boom and the unipolar moment of the 90s. And kind of to that point, here's just another 12-second clip uh, in which the president at the United Nations seems to signal a major change to come in U.S. foreign aid policy. Moving forward, we are only going to give foreign aid to those who respect us and, frankly, are our friends. So, Heather Hilbert, um, is that new, or is that something that presidents always say, or is that just sort of rhetoric? Some of each. Um, it is it is something that um, people always want presidents to say, and every president withholds or threatens to withhold or gives or offers to give foreign aid for political purposes. So Trump's not, you know, this isn't an idea that he invented, but um, the administration, just to give one example, has been so thoroughly trying to root out every little bit of aid that it gives Palestinians that it is is forcing to the brink of closure some Christian hospitals in Jerusalem, and you know that kind of extreme. Um, there is a there's a, a vindictiveness and a vendetta ish quality of how um, some officials in the Trump administration pursue that policy, um, and frankly, even when it it hurts their strategic interests, that's different from what we've seen before. You're listening to the Politics Brief Podcast. We'll be right back after a quick break. There was reporting before the speech that had slightly different um, language anticipating what he was going to say, that moving forward, we're only going to give foreign aid to those who respect us and, um, and, and support American values. 
when he got to the podium, that's not he's not what he said. He said those who respect us and frankly are our friends. Those are really very different. So I wonder if the signal that was sent through the media before the speech um, was changed by the president at the very end, or it's so contradictory. I guess what I was going to get ready to talk about was that it's so contradictory to say, on the one hand, um, the United States will not how to tell you you know, tell other countries how to live, we respect your sovereignty, and then say, we'll only help you, since we're such a more rich country than a lot of countries, only help you if you reflect our values. Um, But then that's not what he said. He didn't hold up American values there at all. He just said, if you're our friends, meaning if you're our political allies. The president doesn't really believe in values as a category, except insofar as they, as they are a convenient shorthand for the white Christian um, male-centered culture that he views uh, uh, the U.S. as rightfully having and as, as being under threat. But I think, Brian, you picked up on something that I also picked up on, which is that there was a lot of mishigas around this speech in advance. The background briefings were very fraught. Um, at the last minute, the White House announced that it was not going to give out excerpts of the speech in advance, which is the usual practice. And um, Trump was, was dramatically late. So um, I look at that as, again, the sort of infighting between the traditional conservative values-based wing of his administration and the kind of post-values, every, you know, the world is, is just a series of transactions and everyone is someone that I can either potentially buy something from or sell something to. Um, let me get one more clip in here, and I think this is the one that's making most news and most of the media so far about Iran in particular. Last month, we began reimposing hard-hitting nuclear sanctions that have been lifted under the Iran deal. Additional sanctions will resume November 5th, and more will follow. And we are working with countries that import Iranian crude oil to cut their purchases substantially. We cannot allow the world's leading sponsor of terrorism to possess the planet's most dangerous weapons. We cannot allow a regime that chants death to America and that threatens Israel with annihilation to possess the means to deliver a nuclear warhead to any city on Earth. Just can't do it. We ask all nations to isolate Iran's regime as long as its aggression continues. And we ask all nations to support Iran's people as they struggle to reclaim their religious and righteous destiny. So Heather Hurlburt, former Clinton administration, White House and State Department official, now with New America. Was there news in that? We know that we pulled out of the Iran nuclear arms agreement. Um, Was there news in that? No. No, in the sense that we know we knew that all the sanctions reimpositions were coming. Um, yes, in the sense that um, the Europeans announced a mechanism last night to get around the reimposition of sanctions. So there's an interesting kind of 
um, parry and thrust going on there. And yes, in that, that was a very, very maximalist statement of the things that Iran um, couldn't be allowed, um, you know, including the way I heard it, it suggested that Iran couldn't have any missile launching technology whatsoever, which it's, you know, decades too late for that. So that struck me as, you know, the speechwriters were allowed to be very maximalist there, and it'll be interesting to see uh, what the follow-up looks like. We're just about out of time, but here's the comic relief from the speech. Now, I'll say it wasn't comic relief to Trump, but it apparently was to the rest of the world. One year ago, I stood before you for the first time in this grand hall. I addressed the threats facing our world And I presented a vision to achieve a brighter future for all of humanity. Today, I stand before the United Nations General Assembly to share the extraordinary progress we've made. In less than two years, my administration has accomplished more than almost any administration in the history of our country. America's so true. <laughs> Didn't expect that reaction, but that's okay. My administration has accomplished more than any other administration in the history of our country, and he gets his laugh. Heather Hurlbert from New America, thank you very much for joining us. Brian Lehrer on WNYC. Thanks for listening to Politics Brief. If you want more, go to wnyc.org slash election.